Did you know that while our bodies are equipped to deal with short-term stress, chronic stress can negatively affect virtually all of the major systems in our body? Hello, Action Taker. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have inspirational and informational conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help you get the scoop on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping you achieve bliss through awareness and action. So let's get to it. In this episode, Anne Wagner shares the top five things that you can do every day to prioritize your own mental health. Anne is a Cornell University educated executive and creator of the five-step signature system, break free from burnout and get your life back. In 2014, a stroke and subsequent coma forced Anne to retrain her mind. In doing so, an unexpected benefit was that she overcame four decades of severe clinical depression and anxiety and shifted to a place of happiness and fulfillment. She now works with women in high-profile, high-pressure careers who have significant professional responsibilities. She teaches these women how to achieve peak work performance without stress and anxiety. To learn more, visit AnnWagnerLive.com. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. And it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Marissa. I really appreciate it. What are we talking about today, Anne? Well, I thought we'd talk about stress because so many of us have stressful situations and there's outside stress, like we've had COVID last year and We have stress of reading the news and social media and things like that. So it affects each and every one of us. And my goal here is to tell you a bit about myself and then finish up by telling you how I kind of overcame this stress and techniques that each of your listeners can use every day to help themselves. And I'm glad that you're here today to talk about this. You know, stress is a word we use a lot. And I oftentimes think that people may even be stressed without even knowing it. There's something nagging at them or there's something that they just can't put their finger on that's impacting the way they handle things or how they deal with things in life. People either shove it under a rug or don't even realize that it's happening and yet it's creating this feeling of something's wrong and I can't figure out why I can't do something about it. Particularly now with all that's been happening in the world and in our lives, things have changed a lot, Anne. People are dealing with even more stress than they've ever had to do before, particularly too, given the fact that we're exposed to so much, like you said, on social media and so much information, it starts to get at you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you about how we can handle that better. Well, absolutely. And I might mention, based on what you said, there's some things to consider here that long-term stress, our bodies really aren't prepared for that, and it can really have an adverse effect. I mean, it can manifest itself in disease, it can manifest in low fertility. There's a lot of issues with long-term stress. So I was one of these very high-stress individuals. I was a well-educated woman, and I was the main breadwinner in my family. I was an executive in healthcare sales and IT sales. And for various reasons, I had a partner who was unable to contribute financially to the household. So we had a, a nanny. And to top it all off, I had two children that were 11 months apart in age and didn't have maternity leave. And I can remember each of them when we were toddlers grabbing my ankles with their arms so that I wouldn't go to the airport, travel and go and sell something. Very, very stressful time. And during that time, I also 
had pretty poor health for most of my life. Physical health, had a lot of orthopedic stuff. I had a lot of mental health issues, usually depression and anxiety, to the point where I had a lot of suicidal ideation. And even though I sought help from counselors, from physicians, things like that, got medications, nothing really touched it. And I kind of came away with this feeling like, this is my lot in life. I guess I just have to push this way down deep, these feelings, and soldier on. So that was all fine and dandy, very heavy, heavy stress. And again, the depression was pretty serious. And then about seven years ago, something rather dramatic happened. I went in for yet another shoulder surgery and went fine. But they presumed that I threw some clots because two weeks to the day later, I had a stroke and I had no risk factors for stroke whatsoever. In addition to a stroke, I went into a coma. I had a hole in my heart. I mean, I was really, really pretty sick and it was going to take months ultimately to get over this. But somebody suggested that to mitigate the risk of the stroke that I start meditating to kind of enhance the neuroplasticity of my brain. I thought, okay, well, I didn't really have any favorable thoughts about meditation that had never been suggested. I thought it was kind of something that was only done in Eastern spiritual traditions, but I was in no place to argue. So I did that. And very serendipitously, I had a girlfriend who suggested that I also start affirmations. And specifically, she said, I want you to start saying, I am healthy and say it with as much feeling as you can. And I'm like, first, I looked at her and I said, you're crazy. (laughs) I'm about as far from healthy as I can be, right? Laid out after a surgery and I was on oxygen after the stroke. I mean, everything was just seemed to be crumbling. But I did this anyway for whatever reason. First of all, my physical health turned around dramatically, and I was like, whoa, I felt really good physically. Now, I had suffered from mental health issues for four decades, since puberty, as far as I could remember. And that had just stopped. It was as if the depression and the anxiety went away. And as a trained physiology major, I thought, this is impossible. How did this happen? So I've been on this mission to replicate what I did so that I could give others hope that I never had. I thought that life was just meant to be lived in an abyss, that I would never be able to turn it around. And it's interesting that when you start turning things around, the meditating affirmations, there's a whole bunch of other things that I've learned and that I teach. It's interesting that your outside environment is a reflection of what you have on the inside. So whereas I had very difficult circumstances and stressful circumstances, I learned how to turn this around so that I just don't do stress anymore. And I think stress is the precursor of having depression and anxiety. And so ultimately what I do now is I specifically focus with women that were in the same situation as me who are in high profile, high pressure jobs, teach them how to achieve success without the stress. I think one of the reasons why I love having these conversations Not only do I selfishly get to learn from you, but I know that you've been through it and you are wanting to give back. And that's what happens with most of us is when we learn a process and we figured out while we went through the process that there probably could have been a better way or we figure out things that nobody shared with us at that point in time, we then think, wow, I want to help other people not have to struggle like I did because I figured out these steps that really help me turn things around and I want to do the same for someone else. I absolutely feel that way, Marissa. 
I can relate to somebody that's going through this and I can tell them that, hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and here's how you get to the light. And that is exactly the conversation that I'm excited to have with you. I know that you have five things that you feel people can do every day to prioritize their mental health. And I love that it's five things because we can't do millions of things at once, especially when we're learning new techniques and trying to make something a habit so that we can improve ourselves. By breaking it down into some simple steps, we might be able to help someone listening today that's struggling the way you did address those issues in a more direct way and in a more effective way. I agree with that, Marissa. I would also say that if you're trying these five techniques every day, I would urge all of your listeners not to get too upset if they can't do it right or whatever. There is no right way to do it. And also the techniques will be simple, but I would say they're not easy all the time. It takes work and it takes practice and it's not a one and done type of thing. I'm glad you said that because that applies to everything. Yes, it could be simple, but simple doesn't mean easy. There's still work that is involved and you need to want it for yourself so that you can improve, so that you can make it part of your life. I'm looking forward to hearing about the five things that we can all do to help with our mental health going forward. Step number one, get a great night's sleep and optimally about seven to nine hours. And I would just add with this that I've heard various advice over the years. It used to be people said you had to get up earlier and sleep less to be more successful. I would say just the opposite is true. Your brain really needs to rest. Your mind needs to rest at night. This is when a lot of healing occurs if you're healing from injuries and surgeries and things like that. So I can personally attest that of everything that I am going to tell you today, that it all comes back to a great night's sleep. Because unless you do that, it's really hard to stay in the moment. And that's what this is all about. And there are people that struggle with that too. It correlates, right? They're stressed. So then they stay up at night thinking about all these things that they're trying to deal with. If they don't recharge their battery, so to speak, then that becomes a never-ending cycle. And your body really does not like that and cannot cope. Absolutely. And it's really the foundation, Marissa, is to get that good night's sleep. And then after that, everything builds on top of this. Step number two would be meditation or stillness and focus. And I'd like to just explain why this is so important. We hear a lot about meditation, whether or not you do it. Here's what I have to say on the subject. I always had a very, very overactive mind, way overactive. And unfortunately, when your mind is overactive, it's really hard to stay in the moment. And it's not always a bad thing, but unfortunately, if your mind is always working, it usually takes you to scenarios maybe that happened in the past or that happened in the future. They can be frightening scenarios. And what we want to do is slow that down. That's the goal here, because if we can slow down the thoughts that you're having that are unexpected and unwanted, then you can start incorporating new thought patterns, as I did previously with affirmations. So I say meditation, stillness, and focus. Some people try meditation and If you have this preconceived notion that you have to cross your legs and put your fingers of each hand together to meditate, that's not accurate. The whole point of this is to really focus, and you can do this sitting down. I personally do it laying down. You can listen to music. You can do it silently. You can listen to guided meditations on Spotify or on YouTube. Whatever works for you, you don't have to chant or you can chant. There's a variety of different types of meditation. The whole goal is that you want to slow your mind down. And the goal is not to control your thoughts, but it's just to slow your mind enough so your thoughts are not controlling you. 
You can also just concentrate on a spot on the wall. I have a friend who does this. It's called a sit. And she just, for 10 minutes, will sit and stare at a space on the wall focusing. And believe it or not, you may not see any results or that you consider results in the beginning, but over a period of time, you'll have space between these thousands of thoughts that you have every day. It's so freeing. So this is one of the most important techniques in my mind that you need to have. I'm glad that you brought up the fact that there's different ways to do it because you're right. People have preconceived notions about what meditation is. And then when it doesn't fit them, they go, well, I can't meditate. There's so many ways to approach it. The bottom line is you need to calm your mind because if your mind is overactive, that can cause the stress and anxiety. And anecdotally, Marissa, I heard a YouTube video done by a Buddhist monk, and he said, it's kind of like pay me now or pay me later if, if you don't do meditation. In other words, what he put forth was that you're either meditating now or you're going to a therapist later to deal with all of these issues. So he even suggested that even very young children learn to meditate so that they can deal with their lives better, which brings us to number three, and that is being in the moment. And a lot of people are in their heads for so much of the time that they're really not aware of this life that's happening. We're not guaranteed the future and the past has already happened. So being in the moment is what you need to be to really enjoy your life, to enjoy your activities and things like that. If you're always worried when the next time is going to happen, when you can do this fun thing again, you haven't fully enjoyed just being where you're at right at the moment. There are exercises that you can do to practice being in the moment. One trick that I use is if sometimes it's very hard to determine when the difference between being in the moment and being in our thoughts, like our body is separate from our thoughts. What I mean by this is sometimes if I'm in my thoughts, I can expect that there will be a feeling or a judgment, okay? Being present, just sitting being present, you should have no feelings, no judgments. That would mean you're in your thoughts. And to get out of that mode, what I suggest to people is look at it as a movie. You're in your own movie. You're in your own head. What I did early on was I took two physical steps backward. You can do that either real steps or metaphorical steps and sit down and just feel the surface that you're sitting on. Do whatever it takes to be conscious of being in the present moment and getting out of your head. The reason we want to do that just to reiterate is because we don't want to cause any fearful thoughts and things like that, because usually the present, there's nothing to really fear. You're just sitting there. That's the importance of being in the moment. If we start thinking about what is possible, then we're going to essentially imagine an outcome that we cannot control because we don't really know what's going to happen. That's why it's the future. So if we're creating this future in our heads and assuming that it's going to maybe not turn out the way we want, then that then comes back on us and builds anticipation and anxiety about something that we don't even know is really going to happen. So being present in the moment puts you focusing on what is here and now and prevents your mind from traveling. Exactly. And further, if you get caught up in those thoughts, it's amazing how you can completely waste hours of your life. <laughs> if you're worried about how you're going to react in a particular situation or how somebody's going to react to you, and you look down at your watch and you realize you spent an hour or two of your life and you've totally missed what happened for real <laughs> in that period of time. Yeah. And because you don't have any control over it, you're essentially worrying about something that might never happen anyway. And so then after it's all said and done and it doesn't happen, you're like, well, I just wasted five hours worrying about that thing <laughs> that never actually happened. It's a waste of time. And putting yourself back in the present is really where all the magic happens. 
I agree totally with that. And that brings us to the number four on the list, and that is to practice gratitude. And there's a couple reasons for this. Well, one, your mother and your father probably told you it was nice to say thank you and things like that. I wasn't a very grateful person. I was always in my head, always going to the next activity and things like that. But I find that when you practice gratitude, it really tends to ground you in the moment. And when I say practice gratitude, I mean thank, whether it's God or the universe or source or whatever is important to you. Practice thanks even for the smallest thing. And, it, and then it seems like the universe gives you more to be thankful about. It's really true. The more I practice gratitude, the more nice things come my way. It's a nice feedback loop to have. You're constantly in the positive. Particularly because when you do even say the words thank you, it's an affirmation to yourself that you are acknowledging that this is not something that you should take for granted. Just by saying thank you, you're letting the universe know and the person in front of you, whoever you're saying it to, that you are recognizing how fortunate you are for whatever that thing is. And so that practice onto itself, it really grounds you, doesn't it? It does. It's very hard to be in your head and say a real firm thank you. When you do that, it almost immediately grounds you into the present moment, which is where, as we stated earlier, you'd like to be. Gratitude is huge. And unfortunately, I don't see it utilized as much as I did when I was younger. I saw a lot more of it. And I think we really need to be more conscious about practicing it in our daily lives. I think we talk a lot about it. Everybody understands gratitude, but we get so busy and in ourselves that there's this focus on me. I have to do this or I got to take care of that. And we forget to pause and just say thank you and show appreciation for everything in our lives. I agree with you. And interestingly, it's a paradox. You think you're too busy to show the gratitude, so you forget to do it. But really what happens is when you make it a habit and when you say thank you all the time, watch what happens. Watch it for 30 days. Try it and see if you don't have a lot more things to be thankful for. It's really pretty amazing. It is. And in fact, I have a phrase that I use and I call it the habitude of gratitude because it's not an attitude per se. It's literally applying it. It is a habit. It's something to interject in your daily life in order for it to really manifest itself. Agreed. All of these are really lifestyle practices that you need to incorporate for it to be successful. It's not a one and done. You really do have to practice these techniques over and over. It's life-changing though. The fifth technique that I use is practice forgiveness. Depending on who you are, sometimes this is easier for some than for others. Some people refuse to let the hurts go and they want to just pick at them and refuse to forgive somebody else. And you'll hear some people say, forgiving someone else is not about them. It's about releasing yourself. Otherwise, that person controls your energy. You know, every time you think about them, they've all of a sudden taken control over your life. Further, if you don't forgive somebody and you harbor resentment inside, that can manifest more stress, can manifest as a disease. And so you are doing yourself the biggest favor in the world when you can grant somebody else forgiveness because you don't have to call them and tell them. You don't have to be in front of them personally. You can just do it in your heart and say, I forgive you because I want to let this go. That last one is so powerful too. All of them are, but that one is so huge. We feel like you have to acknowledge to the other person that may not be nice to you or really causing a lot of stress in your life. By forgiving them, you almost feel like you're saying to them, it's okay. And that's not 
what we're saying. What we're saying is you're acknowledging the fact that, for example, that person may not like you for whatever reason. They just don't like you. And so whenever they're around you, they mistreat you. And it could be a family member even. And you get to the point where you say, look, it takes two. I can't continue to carry this relationship on my own. And if this other individual does not want to participate in a positive way, I have to make a decision to say that's their choice. They think that that's the right thing to do. And that's okay. I have to continue to live my life and not allow them to make my world stressful or make me feel diminished or give me negative feelings because I'm trying so hard to save a relationship that the other person does not want to save. And so just acknowledging that and releasing yourself from that situation is freeing. It can be sad in a way because you want it to work. But at the same time, you have to realize that you can't do it on your own. And if the other person is not willing to change or try to help you in the process, then you need to be willing to just let go and let them be happy and you continue to live your life in the best possible way, right? You're absolutely right. And adding to that just a little bit, what's something that I forgot is that sometimes the hardest thing to forgive is to forgive ourselves. I remember that when I divorced, I was able to forgive my ex-husband and things like that, but I couldn't forgive myself inside. And so I would urge people to be gentle with yourself, try to let it go. And I found it very interesting that when I released any resentment that I had for people and I gave love instead, it completely turned them around. For instance, my ex-spouse or a friend that I had a relationship that went away. It just turned out that when you change your way of dealing with somebody to a more loving manner and forgiving manner, watch what happens. It just changes the dynamic completely. That is true, but it could also never change the dynamic. That other individual just really does not want anything to do with you. Don't blame yourself because I think that's what happens is we tend to look inwardly and say, did I do something wrong? Maybe if I wasn't this way or whatever the reason is that they don't like me, maybe if I change, they will. You try so hard and it never happens. And then you look in and you go, maybe it's me, but it may not be. And so Just letting go and realizing that the other person may have their personal reasons and that it has nothing to do with you and your value is really important to help you get through that. And as you said earlier, Marissa, it possibly would be that this person who you're having difficulty with may just fall away from your life. And that just may be the way it is. It's neither bad nor good. It's just time to move forward. So well said, Anne. I love that. That's really what it boils down to, because I think what happens is we try to save it. And then when we can't, we're hard on ourselves thinking we did something wrong. And so just acknowledging the fact that sometimes a relationship can just not work out and wish them well. Sometimes just moving in different directions is okay. Exactly. Wonderful tips. Sometimes we have all these struggles or things that come back into our lives and we just don't know how to manage them. Just acknowledging the fact that we can start to implement some of these habits in our lives to improve ourselves will help us address that. Would you please share with our listeners what you do and how they can learn more about the services that you offer? Sure, Marissa. I work with women that are in high profile, high pressure jobs. And I teach them to achieve success without the stress. That is what I focus on. You can receive this free gift of this guide of my five tips, and it goes into things a little bit in more detail by emailing me at awagner at annwagnerlive.com. That's Ann without an E. And just put free gift in the title, and I'd be happy to send that to you. And you can also learn about the classes that I offer. I do have a program called Break Free from Burnout and Get Your Lives Back. 
Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here, Anne. I appreciate it. That's a wrap for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Anne Wagner for joining us on the show. If you have a question or comment for a future episode, all you have to do is go to speakpipe.com forward slash L-B-O-V-M or click the link in the show notes to leave a brief audio message. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblissedout.com to reach out, subscribe, and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now, and remember to keep moving forward.